listeners, I'm Joni B. Cole, host of Author Can I Ask You? For people like me who love books and the stories behind the books, this show gives me the chance to ask authors about what they write and why they write. Plus, I like to throw in a few odd questions just to get to know each author a little bit better as a person. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Today, I welcome Ahn Na, the author of four books for young adults. Na's first novel, A Step from Heaven, was a finalist for the National Book Award. Her most recent release, The Place Between Breaths, achieved a hat trick of starred reviews from Kirkus, Publishers Weekly, and Booklist. Na currently teaches in the Writing for Children and Young Adults MFA program at the Vermont College of Fine Arts, which is where Na also earned her MFA and wrote her very first book. Na, welcome to the show. I'm looking forward to chatting. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure, Joni, to be with you. Now, I want to start by talking about your book that came out just a couple of years ago, The Place Between Breasts. I read it last month, and truthfully, I'm still kind of shaky from it. It really stuck with me. Can you give listeners who aren't familiar with the book's narrative a description of the story? Absolutely. It's kind of a tricky book to sum up, but I will try my best. Um, (laughs) The Place Between Breaths is a story about Grace King and her present life of finding out that she is genetically predisposed to a mental illness, schizophrenia, which is something her mother had also suffered from. And she is, in the course of the story, trying to figure out whether or not she does suffer from the disease and what kinds of choices, if any, she has in terms of how she's going to live with it. And that's kind of just the short version. Well, the book has been aptly described as dark and intensely moving. And I found it particularly striking and powerful that Grace is only 16 years old and she's dealing with her mother's disappearance, her father's absence in many ways because of his commitment to find a cure for the disease. And then on top of that, of course, she's beginning to experience signs that she herself may be suffering from the same mental illness that took her mother away from her. This topic, schizophrenia, I mean, it's terrifying and it's difficult terrain for fiction. Can you share why or how you committed to this subject matter? I started it because my brother had just passed. Um, He had taken his life. He had been missing from the family for several years. We had searched for him and searched for him. And he kind of just went off the radar. And the first time we had heard since he disappeared was the police coming to my parents' house that they had found him and he had died. So my journey into trying to uncover what happened to him was how this book started. My mom gave me all his journals And I started to read it and we knew he had suffered from drug addiction. We knew he had suffered from a psychotic break, but we didn't know after that break what really happened with him. And based on the journals and everything I read and the hospital reports, it became kind of clear to me anyway that he had some form of schizophrenia. Do you think writing this book helped you heal in any way or better understand your brother? The way that I deal with grief 
and how I process my emotions is to really turn to books. That's how I've always dealt with things that were unfamiliar to me, things that I wasn't sure about. You know, as a kid, I would turn to books to find answers. And so I did a very deep dive into reading about schizophrenia and mental health and reading biographies and case studies and scientific journals and genetics. I mean, I had stacks and stacks of books that I just went through for 10 years uh, so that I could deal with the passing of my brother. You know, part of the power of the place between breaths, it comes from the structure of the book that mimics Grace's own disjointed frame of mind. So you have this non-linear narrative that blends the past and the present and the future. And then on top of this non-traditional structure is the book's subject matter, which is very difficult. And you do not shy away from the hard realities of mental illness. But I was wondering, given both those factors, did it ever worry you that this book might be too ambitious, a read for young adults? It's interesting because I had the same question when I was going through my MFA program. Back in the day when I was writing A Step From Heaven, my first novel, there were very, very few, maybe four books that I had read that were told in vignettes. And people were kind of questioning whether I was doing the right thing in terms of writing a story in vignettes that spanned from a protagonist being three, four years old to 17 years old. You know, people thought that was too ambitious for young people and they wouldn't get it. And it was too this or that. And I just wrote it the way that I thought I needed to write it. And it was the same with this novel. Some folks wanted a more straight narratives and I tried and I also resisted and it was difficult because I do see the benefits of having more connective tissue and being more straightforward. But I also saw the need for me anyway, as a writer, why blank spaces and creating more questions is something I think is necessary in literature for children. Um, I'm not one of those writers or readers that likes everything explained to me. I actually really like when I can insert myself into the text and imagine different things happening. And so that's what I try to do as a writer is leave that space for the reader to insert themselves into the narrative and create different versions of the story. I want to talk a little bit more about your first book that you referenced, A Step from Heaven. That story starts when the young narrator leaves Korea and she's only four years old and she comes to America. And to her, it's like going to heaven because in her young mind, America is heaven. Though as the book follows her through the years, she learns a very different reality. The New York Times describes A Step from Heaven as the book is endowed with a haunting grace by the exquisite voice of a new young writer. Now, I have to ask, when you were working on that book in grad school, did you have any idea that it would be so successful? No, absolutely not. My program had a scholarship. It was called the Houghton Mifflin Scholarship. And if you won, you got some money. And also Houghton Mifflin got to have the first look at your work. And so I submitted it, you know, crossing my fingers like, oh, gosh, and I didn't get it. You know, actually, a friend of mine got it. <laughs> and so I was really bummed. I was like, oh, I guess my novel's too ambitious, as everybody was telling me. They're not getting it. 
And so I had no expectations for it whatsoever because I had gotten so much feedback of that nature of like, this is kind of weird. This is different. Is this really for kids? I think it might be for adults and then not getting the Houghton Mifflin scholarship. So when it did finally come out and people really resonated with it, I was floored. Like I had no idea that was something that could happen. Um, (laughs) My editor really believed in it. He was the first one who gave me that feedback of, I think this is going to be wonderful for you. But in my wildest dreams, never, I mean, never, ever, ever. That's, that's just like crazy, crazy talk. (laughs) So you're this newbie author and your first novel is a finalist for the National Book Award. Did it go to your head? No, my God. You know, the only thing it did was give me more stress, I think. Oh, no. I don't wish this on people. I mean, I do and I don't, but honestly, like it was hard. It gets in your head. And then as a writer, like I had this one mentor, Brock Cole, who I looked at his work and with every novel, he just got stronger and better. And he didn't write really fast. He wrote, you know, and he published when he needed to. It wasn't on any kind of schedule. And I always thought that's kind of what I want to do. Like, I don't want to be on a schedule to churn out books. I don't want to let go of books when I don't feel like they're ready. But I think after your first book does well, I felt like there was a lot of pressure for me to then publish and put my name out there. And I signed a contract and I had a two book deal. And yeah, that was that was a lot of pressure. I'm curious, though, knowing what you know now. What would the current you say to yourself back then when you were just that aspiring author in your MFA program? I say this to my own students. You really have to believe in your story and in your voice because there's going to be so many people who won't. And that's the truth. There's no reason for them to, unless there's something that really sparks. And again, who knows why it sparks with some people and why it doesn't. Um, I was told many times this story wasn't going to go anywhere. I advisor, um, not advisor, but faculty member tell me point blank, this isn't going to sell and was so disheartened. And so I think a lot of times you get into that space of doubting and there's so many different things that you could listen to and you can go online and be on social media. And there's a million different messages that tell you you're not good enough. And I think that's where you have to be so resilient. And as writers, we're thin skinned. I think (laughs) so important. So, so, so important to believe in your voice and believe in the vision that you have for your story and for your characters and really just stay true to the course stay true to who you are. And from there, that's, you know, at least you've done that, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Believed in your characters, because if you give up on your characters and on your story, there's nobody else who's going to root for them like you are. I hope you sent that faculty member a signed copy. (laughs) You know, honestly, I think she was telling me this as a way of being helpful. You know, it's funny. I was reading your bio And I love all the jobs you listed. You were a middle school teacher, but you were also a pastry chef and a ticket taker for Cirque du Soleil. So it doesn't seem like being a writer was initially something you envisioned for yourself. When did you decide to pick up the pen? Um, It wasn't until college. And honestly, the last year of college, 
And I thought I was going to go on to get my PhD in cultural studies. I actually was planning to apply for the history of consciousness program in Santa Cruz. You know, I was kind of like a theory head. And I took a children's literature class because everybody said it was one of those easy, you know, classes, a gut class that you kind of take. And I took the class and it was just completely revolutionary for me because it reminded me of what I loved as a child, which was to get lost in stories. And so I was allowed to read children's literature again. I was allowed to write creatively for the first time. And so I tried my hand writing a picture book and that turned into a realization that I could try to be a writer because as an immigrant, you're not told that the arts is something you should pursue. And so books were something I loved, but to connect pursuing that with a job just really was kind of mind blowing. And so that experience of writing that picture book just made me so aware of how much I love story. It was something that I started to secretly harbor as a dream I graduated and went off and taught middle school, but secretly I was thinking about being a writer and I saw an ad in one of the writing magazines and it said at that time it was called Norwich, but Norwich was offering an MFA program in writing children's literature. And I saw these names like Catherine Patterson and Patricia McLaughlin and all these different names that I loved. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I want to go to this program. And so that's when passion and my secret little seed of a dream and made it come to fruition. Well, the secret is out at this point (laughs) as an author of four novels and also now a teacher of writing at the very same school where you got your own MFA. You know, I was wondering beyond the usual skills that we all need to write good fictions and tell good stories, are there specific narrative techniques or are there specific insights that you share with your students in terms of writing for this young adult genre? Children are so incredibly passionate and they love stories in this way that just is mind-blowing, right? It changes their world in so many different ways. And I think as a writer in this field, we have such an enormous responsibility and yet also an enormous gift because we have the best audience in the whole world, I think. (laughs) Children are the best readers of our work. And so when I talk to my students, it's really that we have a tremendous responsibility to get it right, to not be didactic, to tell the story from the inside out, to be truthful to our characters. The children that you're speaking to, you know, they need to feel inspired and have hope in their hearts that they can make a difference. And they absolutely can. You know, I believe it. And so we as writers, we're able to hopefully give them that passion and that inspiration. And we do it through creating characters and stories that resonate for them. Is it harder to get published in children and young adult genres, or is it pretty much the same across the board? I think it's become more and more the same across the board. I will have to say just in the time that I published my novel to now with the young adult children's literature field really blowing up, I think people have recognized that there is a huge market 
you know, back then it was more niche, like library school market. But nowadays they're really seeing the value of the fact that children have full interior complicated lives. They want and need stories. Parents want and need better stories. And so I think getting your foot in the door definitely is challenging. I'm seeing that with my students really being challenged in terms of having better story, having better characters, having more original, unique content. It's become more and more competitive for sure. You were born in Korea and you grew up in San Diego. And so I wondered if you could share your thoughts on the challenges that writers of diversity face in terms of being marginalized by the publishing industry. Do you think the industry is getting a little bit better at including voices that have previously been overlooked? Or do you think there's still a long way to go? Oh, no, absolutely. I do feel like there has been some headway in terms of having more diverse voices in the publishing arena and also just in terms of teachers, writers, all of that. And I think part of it is our consciousness has become more aware and open. Part of it is you have immigrants and other people making headway. You have role models like Jacqueline Woodson, like Jason Alexander, Kekla Magoon. I mean, you have all these amazing writers out there now, which inspire and give voice to the younger generations coming up. And you know, when I was growing up, I didn't have stories like my book. Part of the reason why I started A Step From Heaven was because it was inspired by Sandra Cisneros' a House on Mango Street, which was a tremendous gift that I received in college. I had never read a book like that before. And when I read it, it was the first time I felt seen. And here's this Latina poet <laughs> writing a book about her neighborhood. And it spoke to this Korean American immigrant who also felt those same emotions. And so that was the first book that really opened my eyes to what a story could do for a reader. And so based on her novel, I was able to write A Step from Heaven. And so that kind of trickle down, I think, is definitely pushing the boundaries of what kinds of stories are needed out there. And so we have younger writers coming up and telling what kinds of stories. We have those people also going into the jobs of publishing and knowing that there's a need for these kinds of stories to be published. We have organizations that are shedding a spotlight on the needs of having more diverse stories. It absolutely has changed so much within the 10 years. And we also need to continue. I can imagine your book playing the same role as Sandra Cisneros's book did for you. <laughs> I hope so. I have one last question for you, which is if you were to write a six word memoir, what would it be? Oh, this was a hard one, Joni. Um, I had two. So one was, you know, when I think about my family and my friends and my life, like a memoir, you know, and that immediately for me sparks laughing and eating with family and friends. That is, is what I would always be doing, but more digging and thinking. And then for me, I think always exploring the world outside and inside. I like that you wrote two memoirs. <laughs> yeah, no, there's my family, friends, which define me. And those are the people that I value and need the most. And that's what I love to do is laugh and eat with them. But really, you know, as a writer, that is my mantra. When, when you challenged me to that, I was like, you know what? This is what I'm about as a writer. Always exploring the world outside and inside. 
Nah, it has been wonderful chatting with you. And I so appreciate that reminder you shared that we writers really do need to believe in our vision and our stories. So thank you for that. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. It's been really a wonderful conversation. Listeners, if you would like to learn more about Anna and her celebrated books for young adults, please visit her website, onwriting.com. That's A-N-Writing.com. So that's it for this episode of Author, Can I Ask You? Thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you like what you heard, please spread the word and visit me on my website, JoniBCole.com. In the meantime, take care, act civil, and don't be afraid to ask the odd questions.